Hello and welcome back to the Three Vice Men podcast. Back this week with another episode. Uh, my name is James Curtis. I'm joined, as always, by Dom. Dom knows how are we doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Very well. Um, it was a very fun one, and it got a little bit bigger than I expected towards the end. Well, I think um, won't say more than that at the moment. Uh, we're back recording ourselves this week after letting Matt out of the bag with his uh, tales from down under. Is New Zealand still down under? I'm not quite sure. Uh, we'll have to get him to uh, let us know the exact uh, terminology we should be using. But um, we had two flints on this week. Yeah, we did. This was a brewery I was very excited to chat to. Um, spoke to them at Bristol Craft Beer Fest a few weeks ago. Obviously, winners of the Raise the Bar competition, um, which is massive, such a young brewery. So uh, people will be seeing them a lot over the summer, I think. Yeah, if you're going into any of the big We Are beer festivals the london craft beer festival manchester craft beer festival they'll be there in attendance um as you said yeah quite a new brewery i think started sort of only sort of six months six to nine months old but already got the kind of investment in the big kit done yeah definitely i mean that really came through in the beers i think they put a lot of quality behind it got a lot of good people working there and um yeah the beers were were fantastic and as i think we said whilst we're drinking them definitely worth seeking out and getting your hands on yeah, definitely. I had a lot of experienced heads in that uh, young outfit. It was a, a pretty interesting conversation. I think, you know, we got to talk about archways under under bridges or under railway lines, which is always a fun one for craft beer. And uh, there's definitely more to sink your teeth into. So um, make sure you enjoy this and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks with another episode. Cheers. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, I hope we're going to have a good time today. I need to crack on with this first beer. Um, and the first one we're jumping into is Clara, a Mexican lager. Can you tell us a bit about this while uh, while we get it down into the glass? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having us, guys. Um, yeah, let's enjoy our, yeah, it's one of our new releases, uh, Clara, uh, which is a yeah, Mexican-style lager, 4.6% in collaboration with uh, the guys at Willabold over in Canada. Um, so Joe at Willabold is, is a good friend of our Hebra uh, Brett. Um, they worked together at Beavertown Tempest Projects quite a few years ago. And so he was over at the um, in, in the UK for a bit after coming back from Mexico, sort of touring around, doing some brewing over there. And he was working with a number of sort of Mexican breweries. And um, so yeah, we thought naturally we'd, we'd try and do a kind of Mexican-inspired lager in Windsor with a Canadian brewer, as you do. So, um, so yeah, uh, bring a bit of the sunshine back to, um, back to Windsor and, uh, yeah, coincidentally, I've just actually been on a, on a Mexican holiday myself, uh, with my, with my messes for a couple of weeks, like as they were brewing it, they yeah. didn't tell me they're going to do that. I, I was over there. They're like, oh, we're making a, a Mexican lager. I was like, oh, brilliant. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me to bring back any samples to compare or? Yeah, I just, yeah, I really got into the lager over there and, and Mexico. Uh, but anyway, the, um, yeah, so Clara, yeah, I mean, Mexican in the sense that we've used a fair bit of uh, maize in the mobile. So it's not just uh, not just barley. We use about 30% flake maize. Um, so obviously, as you can see, it's kind of yeah, super pale, kind of extra pale in color, like almost almost see-through in a way, but it doesn't really reflect the flavor whatsoever. I mean, it's, yeah, we uh, we lagered it uh, in tank for, for a good six weeks. So it's been, I think, eight weeks in, in tank in total. Um, you know, it's, lagers obviously is kind of a real... Passion of ours at the brewery, we, we do a lot of pales, we do a lot of IPAs, but yeah, we've got an amazing reverse osmosis uh, water system, which means we can pretty much dial in whatever kind of water profile we want. So, so yeah, I mean, if we want to make a really stripped back kind of lean, 
you know, lager, you know, like this, then it's, yeah, it's, it's just perfect, really. Yeah, in terms of tasting notes, we've got a bit of Motueka in there. So, obviously, kind of, you know, infamously, you know, quite kind of limey, kind of, it's got that kind of fresh yeah. lime note, you know, which will kind of allude to the, you know, the, the you know, the wedge of, of lime you might get in a, in a bottle of Corona or something on the beach. So, so yeah, that's the idea, kind of a hint of, we, we, we actually thought about putting some lime zest in. So we, we had zest at the ready on, on the breeder, but we, yeah, we decided not to and just go for the, the hops instead. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't think it misses the lime at all. It, you can get it from a bit of the Matuika. I quite like that it's a, yeah, a Mexican lager brewed with a Canadian in England using New Zealand hops. I think that, that truly is the um, globalization at its finest. 100%. Yeah. This this is just the perfect the perfect taste for what has been quite quite summery and lovely weather recently. This this goes down very smoothly. Um, and how how's the reaction been to it? Because I have to say, a Mexican lager in the craft world probably isn't probably isn't the first thing you think of. I think I'm I'm not alone when Mexican lagers. I'm thinking your souls, your Coronas, and that's about that. I haven't seen much of a foray into the craft world, so. Have people kind of been unsure what to expect going into it, or has everyone been quite open to trying it? What What have you found? Well, we, yeah, we've sold out very quickly. I think um, I, I, I'm not sure whether that's you know. I think interestingly, I think uh, Matt Curtis actually posted an article about Mexican lagers very recently, um, which I'm ashamed to admit I haven't actually read. The info. <laughs> but, um, which I probably should have. But uh, but yeah, I think you know. I think it was obviously the timing. You know, like as as we approach, you know, you know, really good weather, it just kind of seemed right mm. over here. But yeah, I think the, the response has been has been great. You know, I think most people when they look for a lager, certainly a lager or you know, a craft lager, I think there's you can easily kind of over you know do too much and uh, and spoil it, especially if you're dry hopping a lager. I think I've, I've yeah I've experienced that working for previous breweries where you know you release a a, a really good dry hop lager and everyone turns around and says well, that's not a lager. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I think this is kind of in its purest form. You know, it's, it's so kind of stripped back and, and restrained yeah. in bitterness and everything. You know, it's maybe not necessarily for everybody, but it's it's just yeah, it's it's, it's delicious. I think I can definitely agree with that. And um, when you're brewing something like this, that that is so stripped back, that there is nowhere really to hide. You you kind of have to get it right because it is it it has to be clean. It has to be crispy, and I don't think you've you've nailed that on the head there. So um yeah, I could definitely do with maybe a five litre tank of this ready for the next weekend. And and that'll maybe do Saturday. I think that'll be that'd be fantastic. Just a side a side of effort on a five litre tank, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I might share some. Uh, I'm not a heartless <laughs> guy, but you know, it's it'll certainly sure. get me through. I'm sure someone could get a half pint out of it somewhere, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's come in a can. Was there any temptation to stick it in a, a very thin three thirty mil bottle and um really sort of uh, dive into the stereotype yeah never say never i don't yeah we could uh, it would be nice to maybe do some big bottles of it i think that'd be really cool um but yeah i don't i don't think we're gonna do any 330 bottles anytime soon but i yeah uh well that's definitely something we can look forward to then so i mean we're already talking about a collab with a canadian brewery and you know that's something something massive but i think we should probably come back to the start of the brewery so two flints Take us back to the start. Where did the journey begin? Obviously, based yeah, in Windsor. Origin story. Let's, yeah. Let's go. So yeah, yeah, we're um, exactly. So yeah, based in in Windsor. Uh, yeah, sunny Windsor. And yeah, it's it's basically the four of us running the company. Myself, uh, head of sales, uh, Alex, the owner, uh, Brett, the head brewer, and Matt, uh, the tap manager. 
Um, so I mean that Alex was looking for somewhere to uh, to set up probably just before Christmas, and uh, he was living in North London at the time. So I mean he was looking for you know kind of a good archway or, or an industrial space, kind of North London, maybe Cambridge or Oxford, and uh, yeah, just this archway pop, popped up in Windsor, and yeah, I don't think he thought or anyone thought he was going to set up a brewery in Windsor, but it just kind of happens, and you know he was like, okay, cool, let's go for it, and um, yeah, so he moved his family there. Uh, he had he had twins as well just before Christmas. Um, wow. I built a brewery in the same you know in the space of two months. Quite inspiring. I, I joined the brewery uh, just after Christmas, right around January, February time. And uh, yeah, so the name Two Flints, it's kind of a two two parter, well literally. Um, so yeah, it's kind of uh, it reflects you know the two kind of sides of brewing. So you've got you know the science of you know producing clean beer, um, which obviously we take really you know really seriously. You know the pails and, and IPAs and, and lagers, which we predominantly brew um and then the kind of the artistry of uh you know spontaneous brewing something that uh brett the head brewer is you know super passionate about he, he's got a really good background in uh in sort of wild brewing and blending at, at tempus uh in, in beaver town and a great name for it um yeah well exactly yeah it's yeah he's I mean, not most, most breweries they kind of fight to keep brett out of the brew house but like this <laughs> but yeah he uh he was uh head brewer at london beer factory for years and he um yeah, he kind of you know, fronted like all of their wild stuff, which was obviously you know, exceptional. So yeah, we're really excited to, to kind of get going. We've we've we kind of dipped our toe and mixed around a little bit in the last few months. So we've done a, a few a few white wine barrels uh, with a bit of Belgian wit beer age, aging it at the moment. Um, but yeah, we'll certainly ramp it up a bit over the next few months, and hopefully next year, you know, you kind of see that kind of wild side of it. But yeah, obviously it stems from the quote, you know, it takes two flints to uh, to make a fire. And, uh, you know, it's kind of science and art kind of coming together to create something, you know, bigger than the combined, uh, you know, parts. So that's kind of it. And also we had twins as well. So it's, uh, yeah. It all wraps yeah, up. It's, it's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, was did he look much into the kind of beer scene that was already in Windsor beforehand? Do you know if that was much of a consideration? Because I, I, I think beer culture, especially when you're kind of looking at a taproom model potentially is... Um, something that you kind of have to take on board and i have to say i don't really know anything about the kind of local scene there yeah i mean there's yeah there's a very yeah there's a long-standing beer scene like windsor and eaton are yeah very established obviously kind of you know claim claim the, the town by the namesake and uh yeah we're, yeah we get on really well with um with the guys there uh we've just had um indie rabble pop up uh like immediately next to us in the, in the next archway which is brilliant so Dave Haywood, he runs uh, Hoppy Place um, in Windsor, and he's got sister site in Maidenhead. He's very vocal on, online as well. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he's um, started up a brewery as well. So yeah, we we actually brewed a beer with them just last Wednesday. Oh wow! Um, so I have a little little collab available in in cans and a few kegs as well. So uh, so yeah, it's kind of an, a a, Burm, a, a Windsor beer mile kind of formed overnight <laughs> in the last sort of six months. Um, wow. But yeah, like you'd be amazed. Like in London, you know, I speak to a lot of people who say, "Oh, actually, I went to the taproom last last Saturday and didn't really didn't, didn't realize Windsor was a thing." Like, so you know, clearly people are actually making the journey out, which is which is really cool. Was the uh, when the idea of the brewery came up, was a taproom always heavily in that conversation? Was that kind of the basis for it, or was it just this is what we think will work best to get our beer to the customers? Well, yeah, I'll speak on. Alex's behalf. Uh, oh yeah, of but course. I think as far, as, far, as far as I'm aware, I think obviously you know he, he wanted ultimately he wanted to make one of the most exciting breweries in the UK. I think in the current climate and market, you know, obviously we're acutely aware that you know having retail spaces and, and outlets you can sell your own beer through is, is you know incredibly important. 
I think if you look to to Bristol, for example, you know, left handed giant are absolutely killing it. They've, you know, they've got some amazing venues there. You know, Wipe and Shoe got some huge new tap room. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's yeah, we definitely took inspiration from from what's you know, people who are coming out of COVID, you know, and doing you know doing well. Um, I think you know, obviously, the space that we've got, uh, you know, he's built an incredible mezzanine level up in the you know, in, in the archway um, we've got the outdoor space as well so we're, we're really equipped you know to actually host people for the whole day it's not it's not an afterthought it's it's you know part and package of the of the brewery itself so we are we are we could do with some more space for some more fermenters i must say but um but yeah that's yeah we'll look you know we're not looking to you know to to grow crazily at all we're you know we're looking to have some nice organic growth and, and slowly get a few more fermenters out there over the next year or so i think so yeah yeah. Does the kind of interesting architectural or, or sort of spatial elements of an arch affect what you kind of do and how you kind of set things out? And is there a sort of maximum size of kit you can get in there? And I, I imagine that as a kind of not box sort of industrial estate, it can provide challenges, but also sort of interesting solutions. Yeah, there's some challenges for sure. <laughs> I think we, yeah, I mean, uh, the, I would say it gets pretty warm on brew days and yeah, we're looking to get some better ventilation for the, for the top floor, but, um, but no, it, it, I think in general, it, you know, it works quite well. But the, I mean, the look at, I must, you know, must add that the location we are, you know, it's, it's not just an archway in the middle of nowhere. Like where you can see the castle from outside the brewery. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're directly beneath, like if you get off the train at uh, the central station, we're like literally beneath the, the platform. So. Whilst it has its inconveniences, you know, it's actually really well placed and, um, you know, it's, it's, it is a, it's a nice, it's a special place. Like definitely we, we have a few kind of nuances that we have to abide by. Um, so the, the brew kit has a, a condenser. I think because the archway is, you know, so old that we actually, we can't funnel any steam through it. So we actually have to condense it and pour it down the drain. Um, so yeah, that's another bit of kit we had to, we had to get installed but yeah in general i mean it's yeah it's it's, it's actually it, you say an archway and people imagine like a small you know set but it's actually it's, it's a yeah it's a good size arch so if the concepts and the kind of building started around christmas time just before christmas when did the first beers actually come out and what was it like having that having the first taste of the fruits of your labor uh yeah, yeah really good yeah it's really good um yeah no, we we were kind of delayed a little bit by a month or two um just kind of Pulling all the parts together for the for the for the brew house, um, yeah, there was a lot of moving parts and, and you know, different people coming in to, to install it. So, yeah, we, we really wanted to get going around sort of January, but I don't think you know it wasn't operational until kind of mid to late Feb, and then we we released our first beers kind of uh, mid March. I decided it'd be a good idea to do like a nationwide takeover uh, at like ten or fifteen different bars for hmm. four brand new beers that we barely actually tried, you know, out of a keg or a can. <laughs> It tasted great in tank. Um, I was going to say baptism fantastic. of fire. That is, that's a. But yeah. it was. We had a lot of beer, and I thought, yeah, let's 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 do. You know, let's make make some noise. You know, work with some of the best bars that we can try and work with. So, you know, massively grateful for, uh, you know, um, Pig's Ears. You know, for example, from early days, the distribution. Uh, you know, they have they have their own network, but they really supported us from from early on. Um, and we, yeah, we worked with some, yeah, some just some of the best bars. I mean, the Nags Head in Reading, Jody there. Um, he's an absolute legend, big supporter of us, right, right from day one. Uh, White Rabbit in Oxford. Um, yeah, I don't want to name too many because I may say one, but yeah, but, but yeah, yeah just a huge thanks to everybody, you know, who supported us from you know right from the start. Craft Beer Co. Covent Garden. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got to, I've got to say from the from the outset of the 
everyone seemed just the whole kind of craft community seemed to be very on board with your guys and when the beers came out everyone was kind of pushing them and saying saying great things and I mean it, it was overwhelmingly positive and was that something you expected like was there that little bit of trepidation not really knowing what to expect was it kind of you expected people to like them but maybe not that much or how how was the how was the reaction back at back at hq well, honestly i think we were all just uh yeah i'd love to say yeah we knew it was going to be a success yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but no it, it honestly it was you know i think all of us you know taking a risk you know giving it a go startup certainly you know post pandemic it's a difficult time to start a new brewery mm. yeah i think it was it was an unknown you know, until it happened and, and then uh, i think you know we've all been really humbled and just amazed that everyone's you know supporting us i think i think you know obviously with you know with you know there's quite a bit of bad news at the moment i think you know someone you know up and coming and making some nice tasting beers you know people want to get behind a success story and people want to celebrate that you know so we you know we're very grateful and fortunate to you know to have been uh yeah been been given a, a real good opportunity you know and just get out you know get get beers pouring in some of the best bars um but yeah there's uh yeah we've had we've had some trials and tribulations but it's been yeah it's been it's been great honestly no i, I think the feedback that i've heard has been sort of I don't want to say overwhelmingly positive because that sounds like people are rushing up to me in the street to tell me if you have you tried the latest T Flint's, but every everything I have heard has been positive, which is always a good sign because I well I don't want to say people are always willing to share a bad story, but I think bad bad news gets oh is it is it the twenty ten ten two rule of uh, bad experiences people will tell ten people, but good experiences they'll only tell two. Okay, but I'm might have pulled that out of my ass, but I think that's the saying. I think I read that somewhere. That sounds yeah, that sounds like a saying, definitely. You know, I think uh, yeah, I think largely. I mean, I would say you know we're only about twenty odd guys in, so there's there's you know every single batch we do, there's you know we're dialing in a kit, we're we're learning, uh, you know as as everyone does along the way. But um, yeah, certainly I think we're getting we are getting better and better. So you know the fact that we've had such positive you know feedback already is is a really good sign, and you know hopefully we'll you will just continue to get better. Um, yeah, think, for sure. Yeah. What what's your uh, what's your personal favourite of the brews so far? Uh, that's a good question. Don't know. Hold on, maybe. Oh, <laughs> I, I think, well, hold, hold on, hold on, um, hold on. Uh, yeah, no, I think honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, Keller is is fantastic. I think the lager that the first for the first lager that we released, I think the quality was was there definitely. In general, I prefer a low ABV, you know, session pale or something. You know, so yeah, if I'm if I'm drinking a pint, it's probably Alma. Or, or Santiago, one of our cool beers, but I think, yeah, but, uh, Hold On was really nice, kind of, yeah, it's had this kind of really nice, subtle, you know, sort of note to it, but I guess we'll come, we'll come to that later. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, um, I also have to ask, with uh, all the good sides, have you experienced any downsides so far? Has there been any beers that haven't made it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, we've had no major hiccups, you know, we're, we're not, um, yeah, we're blessed in that nothing catastrophic has gone, gone badly. We, we've had uh obviously you know we're still using a mobile canning line um uh, and with that has its inherent issues so like we need to package the beer on the same day mm. once a month um before we can you know before we can keg and obviously you know things get delayed we've had canning line vans breaking down on the day before so everything's had to be pushed back a week and another few days and, you know when you've got a lot of orders waiting to go out it's uh yeah it can be it can be a bit difficult but we've had i think the worst we've had we had, we had a really nice west coast um that 
about half of it, unfortunately, that a lot of hop sediment got, got stirred up when it repressurized when we tried oh, to no. keg it. So it's just a bit. There's just some, bit, you know, very very trace amounts of of hop sediment in in this beer that we just couldn't sell in cans. So if anyone's listening, we've got 20 cases of West Coast IPA that are perfectly <laughs> perfectly usable for beer batter or, or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, it's not not sellable unfortunately. But that's a shame. I I reckon there's a there's an interesting collab there. And uh, yeah, if I'm gonna have fish and chips, I want it to be West Coast battered. There must yeah, be it, there must be some kind of West Coast fish and chip shop. That don't operate in Norfolk. Yeah, um, um, it must be. It's it's it writes itself. I uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to wear the spoons in Windsor as well. You know, maybe they maybe well, they've run out of lager. I don't know. But I mean, you talk about not sellable beers. I mean, they. I'm not going to say anything else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it being so so early days, and uh, yeah, I think we've just already named quite a few different beers here. Is there a core range that's appeared? Is there is it still trial and error of what will what will be rebrewed, what goes well on the kit, what what doesn't, or uh, was there a plan from the beginning of this? This is the four or five, and and that's what it's going to be. Yeah, there was a there was a very very loose plan, I think, to um to try and find one or two beers that we really liked. You know, kind of certainly, I think low strength. You know, we, we're aware that obviously that we make you know not the cheapest beers at times. Um, but you know, I mean, we, you're, you're based in Windsor. That's it's part of the course, I think. Well, it's not, yeah, not so much the, the location, but I think it's just more the, the scale, the scale of the operation we've got, and uh, you know the, the amount of hops that we use. I mean, I remember, yeah, the, this. I think this the first, well, maybe, no, yeah, this second beers, the batch of beers that we brewed. Um, like we kind of we were just ramping everything up in ABV and, and strength and cost, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, this is where we're going. That's fine. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so we're not holding back on anything, which is great. Um, but we need, yeah, like we we need a. You know, as as you say, like you know, beers that you can have by the pint as well. Santiago and was it was actually the first beer that we brewed. Um, originally, it was a contract brew with Drop Projects, um, who were yeah super kind to us. Yeah, but back in I think it was November ish. Um, so they did a they did a brew for us. You know, predominantly for the tap room, to sell through our own tap room, but also you know for a bit of trade just to get the name out there. Um, so yeah, we owe them a lot as well uh, for you know for helping us out. The um, yeah, we did. Uh, a few other kind of initial brews with Little Monster and Flock as well, uh, just kind of get us off the ground again, just for a bit of beer to sell. And um, uh, yeah, that was yeah really beneficial. And yeah, but I think Alma was was much more by design. Santiago, we just kept brewing because people kept buying it and we ran out. Uh, so yeah, we just we kept we kept going along. But it is it's a fantastic beer. But Alma was yeah, I think Alex wanted to you know name it after the road that we're based on, and nice. you know just really really you know dialing exactly the the profile he wanted so yeah so is it just those two at the moment for now i mean just we're, we're limited on, on the on capacity at the moment so we've got a a 20 heck kit 2000 liter kit and um we've got five tanks uh 235 and 325 so so really we're only re-releasing three or four new beers each month uh and then we've got just about enough time to, to kind of try and keep santiago and alma in stock in, in between those um and try and brew a lager as well so so yeah it's kind of it's been quite eye-opening really just kind of going from zero to 100 in terms of you know we're into capacity i don't think i don't think alex expected it uh, yeah i mean i certainly oh, i knew we were going to be busy but yeah it's been yeah, it's been it's been great so you mentioned contract brewing there how exactly does that process work then how were those contracts kind of set up how how did that come about yeah uh, and how did you select you which 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 brewery to get to do it with yeah sure i think well so, i mean certainly 
um, Alex had done a bit of voluntary work for Drop Projects uh, just for yeah around sort of October time. So he uh, yeah obviously you know he he'd done his you know general certificate, his brewing diploma, kind of got his accreditation, and he was looking for a bit of commercial brewing experience. So he, yeah, he reached out to a few breweries, you know, Drop Project being one of them. Um, just you know, just helped them out with everything, bit of brewing, bit of packaging, and um, yeah, I mean, on the back of that, they uh, yeah, they yeah, they offered to kind of you know do our you know first sort of contract brew. Um, I couldn't tell you how Little Monster and Flock came about, unfortunately. You have to speak to Alex, but I'm I'm, I'm fairly certain it's a similar story. Just reaching out, just saying, you know, looking to start a brewery, can you help us out? Do you have a spare tank? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Really, what's the you know what's the sm- smallest slash medium sized tank you've got, so we can so we can buy some kegs off you. Do you think that's something you might continue to do in kind of the short and medium term, perhaps with the core beers so that you can keep those taken over whilst also freeing up the tanks in your space? I mean, it's it's certainly an option. I don't think we're going to do it. Uh, certainly not in the short term. Um, I don't. Yeah, I want to keep everything in house. You know, for the for the next for the next six months at least. I think. But yeah. I mean, if as and when we do grow, I think the plan is roughly we, we have like a quite a large cold store that takes up you know, about a third of the ground space on the, on the ground floor. And um, when we reach that level, uh, when it allows, we can hopefully, you know, stick that in, a, in another unit or somewhere nearby. And we can, you know, put some more firm tanks in. So, yeah, I think, we're, yeah, it's an ongoing conversation. You know, well, obviously we're, you know, really aware of, you know, quality control. We don't want to outsource it unless it's, you know, it really, really yeah. works. And I mean, you named three breweries there or I'm pretty happy to trust them to do a good job. So uh, if you can continue with that sort of value judgment, I think that that's always an option. And it's nice to be able to sort of think about that as flexibility with, with growth in mind. Yeah, and I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's certainly, it's not on the table at the moment, I must, I must add, but yeah, it's, yeah, never see it. Again, never see never. So see that, goes, but... that's not a business opportunity, but anybody who wants some beer batter, that is the business opportunity. There's, there's half out. a pallet of West Coast, West Coast Pale, just sitting there, just just waiting. Waiting, I, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens. Even if I go to the tap room and just all of the food you're selling is beer battered, something, I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah, um, I think I'm almost at the end of my beer, which is I've drunk it too fast. It's it's a problem. I'm not saying I have a problem. I'm saying you've made a beer that's too crushable. It's uh, it's probably right that I talk about it, but I can still remember. I've really enjoyed this. It's, you know, it's the kind of beer that it's clean, it's fresh. Yeah, I've got that hint of lime, some of the kind of floral notes that you get with the hop additions. But at the same time, it's eminently refreshable. It's the kind of thing I want if I've accidentally gone on a run and then I've I've come back and just need something. That that could be it. Does that happen often, just an accidental run? Uh to, to be fair, my, my local route finishes at my local microbrewery. So, uh, okay. <laughs> unfortunately, it does. All, all the good work gets undone. Sometimes, you know, you just stick the trainers on and, and you end up. But, uh, yeah, who knows? If I had this in the fridge, it might happen more. That, that's that's what I'm going to say. But, no, I've so I've really enjoyed this. And, yeah, could definitely have a few more if the weather continues how it has been. Dom, what, how have you found it? Yeah, I've got to agree. I think the um the Motueka using that is genius. Um, I mean to have that because, like you say, people associate those limey flavors through a physical wedge of lime, but to just get those kind of subtle citrusy hints from the hop, I think just works really well. 
um but it's enough that you still get that super crisp super clean finish it's not it doesn't become oh wow this is a really hot forward bit it's like oh no this is a really clean bit and then the citrusiness from the hop is is still there um but yeah this has gone down really really smoothly and this is the sort of thing that i think you need to sell in 24 packs so that you can just like have one oh, fridge for each day Oh, I, I took a 24 back uh, to my mate's barbie last Friday, actually. So yeah, it was yeah, it, it it didn't stick around. I would I would add that you know in Mexico the you know the obviously lime in this country it, you know in a bottle is a bit of a novelty, mm. but over there it, it, there's limes on the table for everything. It's just it's the flavor of Mexico. So it's you know obviously you know it's kind of it's you know been slightly bastardized over here, but like it's yeah, lime is lime and chili and, and salt and yeah, it's just that that is Mexico. So. so I have also homebrewed a cerveza, which I dry hopped. I'm sh- I've been trying to remember what I dry hopped it with. I think it might have been Nelson uh, or Nelson Servant. So I did have to add the lime separately, but uh, it wasn't anywhere near as good as this. But it's probably I, I don't have the kit to lager it, really, really. So that's my excuse. Definitely not a skill thing. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I'm glad you clarified that it wasn't as good as this. I mean, yeah. I, I was wondering for a second. I was like, oh, maybe. <laughs> I think you might have tried it, Dom. I think you might have tried it, but it definitely yeah. wasn't this good. But uh, I'm looking forward to the next one, which we'll, uh, we'll jump to uh, right after this. Hey, Dom, you know what I love? Seamlessly integrated ad reads? Yes. Great deals? You bet. Try new beers from breweries around the UK. That's right, but not everyone has a podcast where they can do it every week. That's why we've teamed up with Bruiser to offer you £8 off your first box. Bruiser is the service that takes fresh craft beer from breweries around the country straight to your door. Every month, over 120 of the best breweries in the country create a box that showcases the best they offer. All you need to do is select which one you want a box from, or you can leave it on random. And of course, enter the code Three Vice Men when you sign up to get eight pounds off your first box and support the podcast. That's code Three Vice Men for eight pound off your first box. Now back to the pod. Uh, welcome back. We're still here with Nick from Two Flints. Nick, thanks for sticking with us after that first beer, and thanks for providing it. It was it was very nice. We're ready now to go through the Looking Glass, which isn't a. Uh, Alice reference. It's the second beer, which is the West Coast IPA. Um, it's been sitting in my glass for a couple of minutes now, and I've resisted the urge to talk about it to take a sip. So, can you give us a, a brief description while I kind of um, give in to the temptation? Uh, yeah, sure. So, yeah, Looking Glass. Um, it's a it's a modern kind of take on the West Coast. So, we in general with Two Flints, we'll have uh, we'll always kind of try and have a Westie in the in the mix. Alex, the owner big fan of west coast um yeah again this is kind of it's not there's no kind of piney resinous you know kind of multi-character that, that you'd expect of a traditional west coast um we've yeah we kind of pitched uh you know mainly kind of lager yeast with a touch of ale yeast as well just to give it a bit of residual sweetness as well but um yeah it's kind of quite restrained bitterness but still you know noticeable uh you've got kind of lead hops nelson sobin so you get a nice, you know, hit of kind of gooseberry, white grape. Um, you've got a bit of Simcoe cryo, mosaic, just kind of balance it out. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, again, we, we try not to, you know, make beers that are kind of, you know, super high bitterness or super, you know, you know, like, you know, any kind of hot burn or anything like that. We try and make them as drinkable as possible. So 
yeah, it's a very accessible start. For six point five, I think it's actually it's it's super drinkable. Um yeah, we've had we've had really good feedback. So we we only packaged it in into can ten days ago, I think. So yeah, it's um yeah, it's super fresh. And yeah, slight slight haze on it. We did originally uh, <laughs> the name was kind of came after the brew. And so it was my name. Uh, and Brett was like, okay, so we we need to find this then. So uh we did actually add a touch of uh, vegan vegan friendly findings to try and sort of drop it out, but in the end, um, yeah, we just kind of let it let it be. So not not so much of a looking glass, but certainly a, a good West Coast IP. <laughs> so, yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. I it's um I I have to say I hadn't looked at the can that closely, um, and six and a half percent. That's the first time I've heard about it, and I I wouldn't have said that from my first sip. It is pretty crushable. Yeah, I think it's got, like you say, it's got it's got that drinkability through those kind of fruitier notes that you maybe wouldn't always associate with a West Coast IPA. It's still a little bit, it's still got that kind of West Coast dryness. I still get a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, just washed down with like a whole bunch of fruit, which is which is delicious. Um, and I have to ask, is this the same recipe as the one that didn't make it? Or is this... The next one it's, on from that. No, it's no, it's, that, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not up. battery boys. No, 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 not at all. This, this is its own entity. I mean, this is the first time we we played with lager and ale yeast um, in a beer. So we released another beer actually with with a similar mix, uh, Skin Deep, which is a five percent pale. Um, yeah, with just yeah, kind of a blend of, of the pitching the two yeast together. Yeah, just kind of playing around with that, see yeah, seeing what we can get out of it. But I think yeah, I think the results for this one were, were great. Really good. And this is what I would probably describe as, I mean, perhaps 2% ABV more than I would say. But uh, this is definitely a festival beer, especially when the sun is shining. So festival season now. Raise the bar winners. Congratulations. I mean, to knock that one off so early into your existence is uh, pretty huge. Um, So, yeah, how how have you been finding it so far? And uh, what do you have coming up? So yeah, so raise the bar um, again was yeah came about kind of as a, as a real surprise. I think you know myself um, and Brett obviously worked in the industry for a little while. You know we I've, I've known Greg at We Are Beer for a, for a, for a while. I used to work at Siren Wild Beer. Brett's obviously known him for a, through through the beer factory. And um, yeah, I think uh, Greg was kind of keen to try the beer. So yeah, we obviously posted them out. Um, not really expecting too much back, and then. Uh, yeah, you know, just absolutely over the moon to to get recognised for. I think it was for only we sent a few more, but I think we I think in the in the promo video at least was I think it was Keller and and um, forget the little or Big Frank possibly, but yeah, um, but yeah, I think the lager was a real uh, sticking point for him at least. And yeah, so, I mean, you know, for, it's only been trading for a few months, you know, to be recognised for that, uh, you know, alongside such good names as Sure Shot and Holy Go, Little Monster was you know it was just unbelievable. Um, so yeah. But, well, over the moon, uh, and then you know to be pouring at Bristol, obviously where I met you, Dominic, and we had a few beers, good laugh, bloody good laugh, and we uh, yeah, yeah we uh, yeah we shared a bit of a bar with with you know with the four of us, it was great you know we managed to get most of the brewery down, um, so me and Alex and Brett kind of pouring beers all weekend you know just chatting to people and getting the name out there in uh, in Bristol, enjoying a few beers on King Street obviously, uh, so yeah no, it was uh, it was a really good weekend yeah we had a lot of fun. So that means as well, raise the bar with BRB London Craft Beer Festival in August, I believe, first week or first weekend uh, around that that time it normally is. That's another massive one. Uh, whole team down there again, or, or just a few of you? So like, yeah, I mean, we're doing Manchester and London. Uh, London will definitely be out altogether. 
I think Manchester, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but um, yeah, should be. Yeah, should be good. See, I've always had a lot of fun at Tobacco Docks. It's uh, a great venue, although last year was quite hot. So um, I can still, I think, remember where all the aircon units were and where I needed to stand in order to not overheat while having a crispy boy lager in my hand. Um, but Manchester, I'd be really interested to go as well because I've not, not been to that one. Are, are there any other festivals that when you were kind of getting when you were first starting at the brewery you were like okay these are big festivals that we want to tick off are there any others that come to mind that are kind of on your hit list to try and get a stall at i mean obviously we'd love to pour you know at um i think certainly these hills i know alex uh i think he volunteered there actually last just last year oh, wow. um and i think yeah obviously you'd have to be over the moon to, to go there hopefully next year we'll see but uh yeah i think there's I mean, yeah, me personally, I've always loved Indie Man. I've been to Indie Man three or four times. It's a fantastic festival. Yeah, Peak Ender. I'm trying to give some others. Um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Some very good ones in the north. You know, it's nice to get out of London. But yeah, there's. I'm sure there'll be some brilliant camera festivals local to us as well. Twyford, Maidenhead, you know, Didcot, Yateley, Winner. That's sort of, yeah, that's sort of, you know, get out there, get the, get the name out there. It's yeah. A big, you know, Cast and Cake festivals. Especially local, I think with, when you've got a tap room and you can kind of drive that follow-on trade when people kind of go, oh, no, I had this one at Didcot and not the Parkway. That's, um, yeah. yeah, that definitely wants to do. I'd, sorry, just any time I hear Didcot outside of a trade announcement is slightly funny to me. Don't know why. Very, very weird sense of humour. Um, so with the Raise the Bar, uh, other winners, um, there must be a better better title than that. Bar raisers, raised bar champions. I, I, I don't know what, what's on the plaque. You know, I haven't actually given it some thought. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work out something before the yeah, end. Of the we're, episode, we're all winners, aren't we? So it's yeah. kind of a yeah, yeah. The other top top steppers, top podium steppers. Um, there's going to be a bruiser box with uh, a few at uh, the whole selection, I believe, or, or at least at least three. I think four. I, think I it's hope everyone. so. I think it's everybody. Um, so yeah. look out for that because I think it's only going to be a July special. Feel free to check that one out if you want to try some of the other top step podiumers. Um, and of course, code three wise men at checkout for your first box and some amount of money off. So one of the things that you did slip in there um, was when we were talking about camera festivals, you said cask and keg. Is cask something that you might foray into or is it something that is already being planned? Again, who have you been speaking to? What's going on? Like, it's uh, now joking. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're looking to do a cask uh, end of next month, probably August, end of August. I don't want to spoil this price too much, but yeah, we're going we're gonna, to, it's going to be, it's going to be West Coast Pale um, in cask, cask only, uh, full brew. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to work with some really good venues to, to launch it. And um, yeah, it's still a bit up in the air, but uh, hopefully we'll get, we'll get it out. For, for end it, of August sometime. Yeah. Is it something that once you've got the first one out, you might bring more into the rotation or are people just gonna have to wait and see on that one? I mean it's not gonna be a big part of what we do. It's I think we're gonna, you know, when we want to do a cast, we'll, we'll we'll do it now and then. Yeah. Um I know, I I love drinking cast. I grew, you know I grew up in in Oxfordshire, you know, the same as uh, Alex and you know I think I think all of us love a good cask. But I think, you know, just while we're still dying in the kit, I think, you know, the focus was kind of, you know, keep it kind of keg and can orientated. And then, and then, but yeah, we've, we've kind of had an opportunity to, to try something. Um, so yeah, we thought we'd, thought we'd jump on it. So yeah. Yeah. So I've got a friend who his, his position, and I think he'll die on this hill, 
is that an East Coast sort of juicy pale in cask is the best beer you can have. And he loves it. Absolutely loves it. Anytime he sees it, maybe it's pint shop in Cambridge to have it a few times. A soft, juicy boy in cask. Yeah. He says you can't get any better. Uh, I always say it's a hard one because the economics are quite hard to stack up if you're throwing lots of hops at it and then you're sticking it in what is probably the least profitable delivery method. It's it's not going to go mainstream. What's your take on that? Is there a way to kind of get that style or that delivery and beer combination working or Oh, and also, do you agree? Is it is it an interesting thing? It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I've worked for you know a real old brewery. That's kind of my first you know first proper sales job in in beer. So you know, I'm, I'm you know really aware of the you know how tight the margins are for a lot of you know especially pubs that you know dedicate you know the whole sort of business model to cask. Um, you know, you have to kind of you have to fit the beer into their model and if you can't you know you, there's no market for it so of course yeah sometimes you've got to take a hit on, on margins you know to even just to be on, on the taps even some of the best cast pubs in, in in london you know you've got to play the game and lose a bit of margin but i think um you know certainly i mean it's funny i, I absolutely love a new england style on cask uh you know when i was yeah again i'll reference <laughs> siren again we spoke at siren, but, um yeah so uh, sound wave ipa on cask uh is you know just absolutely awesome you know and i i think like you know the suspended series on cast you know proper hazy you know it's just so delicious i don't know that i could kind of drink it all night maybe you know three or four but i think you need a bit more balance maybe so yeah something like a west coast i think is a good kind of start for us i think just to have it a bit a bit more just a bit more balance but but yeah no i love it you know i think there's you know there's there's just so much good cast gather at the moment um we, we yeah, i think obviously you know we, we've been a bit wary to kind of you know do any kind of initially we want to get it right first time there's there's obviously some really really good craft producers who you know do some incredible cask and if we want if, we, if we're going to do a full brew of it we'll get it right so so yeah i think we'll, we'll start off you know and, and see how we get on maybe you know maybe we'll step into new england a bit later i don't i don't know that i had this conversation with alex in bristol i don't think he's convinced that new england's best in cask i'm not I mean, it's an ongoing conversation, but yeah, maybe it's yeah. maybe it's a market that needs to be. Need you need a a dominant. You need a an example of this is this is the benchmark. It's now been set. This is how good it can be. I'll, I'll spend the next five minutes thinking of a name for what that beer will be, and then I'll let you let you brew it. In the meantime, um, I think I'm firmly on the route of bitter beers. Definitely taste better in cask for me. Um, but another thing that is big on cask is kind of your darker beers, um, like porters, stouts, obviously fairly young brewery and lots of pale focus, lager focus. You mentioned the mixed firm stuff. Do you think you might foray into darker beers down the line or are you going to strictly stay away from them? Uh, yeah, 100% we'll do some darker beers. Uh, yeah, I think we're really excited. You know, as soon as the weather gets a bit a bit cooler, we'll, we'll look to see some red ale, some, some, some stouts for sure. You know, again, like, I think we're kind of we're kind of set up perfectly that we can you know we can we can turn a beer around really quickly and um you know we can we kind of dabble with you know with some new styles I I don't think we're going to go down the full sort of kind of sours and fruit sours and anything like that um but yeah some yeah some really solid stouts and pails and and uh you know IPAs and, and lagers I think that's kind of that's kind of where we're at really kind of keep it fairly lean but yeah just focus on the quality and you know the ingredients and 
yeah, I think I, I mean, I, I personally love a stout. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've worked with some, yeah, some really cool breweries that you know do some really cool things with, with dark beers, you know, blending coffees and and all sorts. Um, so yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we do some cool stuff. Following on from that, then, because that all sounds amazing. The one question we ask to every person that comes on the podcast is, if you could brew any beer, regardless of profit margins, regardless of its selling, what would it be? Well, okay, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm going to go for. Well, we've we've been we've been working on this idea of a Rattler, and nice. it's a per, yeah, just a personal passion of mine. Really, a Shandy. Mm. I just I've, I've always loved the Shandy. I remember in the first craft beer job I had, I worked in a restaurant, and, and uh, the the beer writer and critic Pete Brown, he was he ran a kind of training session for us. Pretty pretty much the reason why I'm here. And I remember mm-hmm. asking him at the end of the session, like, you know, do you think kind of as a joke, really? Uh, I just think Shandy would be the next, uh, you know, the next next big thing in craft beer and he was like never say never uh yeah, yeah. so uh yeah i think uh yeah to come full circle and brew like a really nice like good quality rattler we, we tried in left handed giants tap room we tried this um rattler they done where they blended their own sicilian like lemonade into the into one of their pails and it was they'd made their own lemonade and it was just so refreshing the kind mm. of 2.8 ish i think we're, we're gonna look to do something similar hopefully next month i think um so yeah nice yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But that's that. That's the dream beer that's that's nearly become a reality. <laughs> I'm I'm yeah. definitely in the same boat with you. I think, uh, you know, a Rattler is has the potential. I think Shandy has the name is. There's too much baggage associated to it. It's why it's Jury's why, in yeah. rebranded to Leonardo. It sounds exciting. It sounds new. It's the same hotel. It's the same. Let's add a bit of lemonade to some nice beer. But uh, yeah. I, I think it's got the chance to take over the world. Not the hotel chain. I think that will stay providing medium quality beds in uh, average UK towns and cities. But um, no, I'm I'm all for a, a low ABV, fruity, refreshing beer. To uh, I think Alex would kill me saying that, by the way, just for the record. So <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, he's, he's coming around to the idea of it. We get. I think Left Hander Giant definitely definitely helps. He was like, okay, well, I, okay, I, that's delicious. I, I, I we, think... can, we can make this. I think you could also, you know, with the taproom model, you could innovate a little bit and let people mix their own in a way. So I think everybody who's ever not so worked like behind a, a bar, bar. Like a Rattler bar. Yeah, but everybody yeah. who's not worked in a bar has wanted to use one of those squirt guns yeah. to sort of fill stuff up. If you could give them a, a half pour and then let them top up enough lemonade or or other soft sort of sparkling might be an orange aid or some other thing there could be takes on it to their desired level you know how everyone's got their personal preference of squash no different types of lemonade with kind of different beers and you kind of pair them yeah yeah yeah, yeah i kind of yeah i kind of hear what you're saying that's i'll tell you what i run past the, the bar see what you say. <laughs> <laughs> they're like how many lines do you want us to pull <laughs> it's yeah it's a good idea it's, good it's idea the lemonade takeover you know yeah, I think I think it's got it's got legs, and I'll I'll turn up for it, hundred percent. At at this point, then we also have to ask, since I feel like Alex would be on the very other end of the spectrum here. Do you know what sort of field his dream beer would be in? Has he mentioned it before? Has he given you an inkling into his mind? I mean, I think uh, I certainly spent a lot of time with him. Uh, <laughs> I think he, I mean, his his passion definitely lies in in hazy you know hazy beers just really good quality hazy beers and good lagers i mean that's yeah that's kind of i think that's why 
he hired me. You know, we've got similar tastes. You know, I think we both just like, you know, to keep things simple like that. I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's not particularly exciting as an answer, but I think that's just the truth. <laughs> but I think, you know, I mean, you know, when he started off in, in Singapore, uh, you know, brewing up his flat, I think, you know, he was really focused on just, you know, trying to recreate the beers that he loves. So, you know, double IPAs and, and, you know, big IPAs, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean that's certainly that's where his passion stems from. But you know, combined with with Brett and his his knowledge, you know, on on the other side as well, I think I think we've got a really good team um, to kind of yeah kind of tick all the boxes really. But yeah, I think I might be wrong. He probably wants to do a, a nice a nice fruit sour of some sort. Of fruit. <laughs> I'm always ready for a fruit sour with just an obscure fruit I haven't heard yet. You know, I've learned more fruits recording this podcast than I think I did at primary school, and that's. It says a lot. I couldn't necessarily tell you them now, but I, we've had an education in, and, and if he wants to send in his fruit of choice for the sour, ready, ready to yeah. read it out. Obviously, Brett's, Brett's there as well. Is there going to be a double-bretted anything coming soon? Yeah, I mean, well, I've mentioned the the bretted Whitbeer. That's, yeah, mm. in terms of, yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. The, the barrel program is, I mean, I'm sure there is a plan. Uh, I wish I could tell you more. I don't know. I don't know the full details yet. But I mean, yeah, certainly, I'm sure he's got a lot going on. He's, he's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's his big passion. Outside of T-Flints, he also has a bit of a side project as well, where he does a lot. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll, yeah, we'll see some really cool stuff coming out, coming out to bottles uh, next year. I think one of the things we seem to have skirted over during this entire podcast is all the brewing backgrounds and the breweries that you guys have all worked with, because it sounds like it's a pretty stacked CV we have currently working at Two Flints. So do you want to give us a quick like rundown of everyone's kind of brewery past? Or would that take too long? Yeah, yeah I'll start with Alex. Uh, zero, zero brewery. So, no, he's, uh, <laughs> so that's who he's inviting to the festival, of the uh, the CV festival. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's go. So yeah, obviously Brett. I think I mentioned already. He's a, a bit, but yeah, let's on Beaver Town. He, he he was the co-lead brewer for the Tempest project, so they're kind of brow stuff. Um, yeah, he was he was there for a number of years. He he was head brewer at London Beer Factory. Yeah, obviously they they moved they they moved up uh, further north, and so yeah, it was kind of just right time, right place, and um, yeah, worked out really well. He's an absolute legend as well. I might add. Um, and then yeah, Alex, home brewer, but obviously did did a bit of commercial experience with. Drug projects, and he also helped out at Brixton Brewery for a short while. Um, so yeah, we kind of we both got mutual friends actually at both places with him. Um, and then Matt Crook, uh, Crookie, the tap manager, he's he's really experienced as well. He he worked for I worked with him at Siren for a short while, and then he moved on to to run Phantoms uh, Tap Room in, in oh, Reading, okay. amazing tap room. Um, so he yeah, he's super super knowledgeable. Um, I think he's been to the states a bunch of times, see some amazing breweries over there. So yeah, he, he really knows his stuff as well. So yeah, between, yeah, between the four of us, we've got um, yeah a fair bit of experience. I think I already mentioned where I've worked for. So was yeah. it um, Siren? Yeah, Siren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Siren. Couple years. Yeah, Wild Beer. I had to check my notes then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all, all brilliant places. He makes some fantastic beer. So uh, fantastic. yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's, it's certainly yeah. It gave me a full picture of you know, you know, kind of everything really from. Easy beers to mix firms, to cast and everything. So, yeah. uh, with, with the tap room and and um, obviously selling the beer direct to consumers, there's, there's a lot of feedback you get there, and and also you can sort of not the direct feedback, but you can observe a little bit. So, have there been any beers that have been sort of 
particularly successful or or things that people have then paired with some food that you've had there or that are quite interesting or any of those kind of behaviors that you might have observed and that might have influenced you in, in the tapping space specifically mm-hmm. i mean i i must say i'm i'm, I'm not unfortunately i'm the best person to speak to about about the tap room side of things i'm, I'm there I, i'm there one day a week um but the taps open thursday to sunday so i'll catch you on i'll just catch it on a friday and you know but we work with some really good street food vendors uh i, oh. I know that food pairings are, you know something that we're definitely looking to to do some really some cool people that we you know that we work with yeah i know for a fact that we'll definitely we'll do some really nice ticketed food pairing events in in, in the future I, Sorry, I think it's definitely one of my favorite times of the week. I think it, it must be Thursday morning, perhaps, where it's like, it's two Flint Street Food Day. And I just flick through your store and it's just who you have on trade at the weekend. I'm like, oh my God, this all sounds delicious. Yeah, it's good. I can I can vouch. It's, yeah, when I've, yeah, when I've been there, it's, it's yeah, always good. Always something new. Yeah, I keep it fresh. And uh, yeah, try and, try and pair. Yeah. I'm sure Matt has some very good recommendations on what goes with what. But yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like in general, I mean, you know, getting some. Um, I mean, for me personally, as a head of sales, you know, I, I get, mm. I get immediate feedback from you know hosting tastings and, and meet the brewers that sort of thing. Um, just last week, I was at uh, you know Real Drinks in um, in Maida Bell and uh, some Crafts in Frenzy Park, and you know talking to the customers there, getting their, getting their feedback on on the beers. And nothing really replaces that, you know, just just talking, not asking them for their opinion immediately in person. Mm. Um, so it's you know it's, it's a big part of what we try and do is just get out there and get the name out there and talk to people, and uh, yeah, I mean all feedbacks feedback right you need you need it. Is there a, a kind of a list of where you're going to be doing these? Because it sounds like there's a you know get through a bit. So is there some tap takeovers planned that people can sort of try out get get out to? Yeah, I mean yeah we. We've been blessed, really. Um, I think you know some of the best bars in London have kind of requested some some takeovers and, and, and bottle shops as well. Yeah, the calendar's looking pretty like chocker already for the next few months. Is yeah, I, I I don't have small children like Alex and Brett do, so it kind of falls on me to to front a lot of things. But, <laughs> I um, mean, someone has yeah. to do it, I suppose. I keep yeah. yeah, I keep the energy up, you know. So I yeah, I, I mean we've got we've got some really cool stuff coming. We've got Mother Kelly's in Bethel Green next uh, next month. I think um, mid July, July twentieth. We've got uh, my brain. Um, we've got Sutton Arms end of August, uh, doing like a West Coast showcase. Should be good. We've got Mason's Arms in Battersea, Karen down there, August twenty third. I think um, we've got some really nice other, other bottle shops as well along the way. Mm. Um, yeah, just kind of all over really. I'm I'm being pulled in every, in every direction, trying to you know trying to get the name out there and, and um, still you know see my girlfriend sometimes. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep that one alive and kicking. Uh, well, yeah. while, while you mentioned West Coast showcases, I think you should probably showcase this West Coast a little bit more. I've been I've yeah I've been really enjoying this one. I, I'm really glad you mentioned the um the kind of mix of yeast and and how that leaves a little bit more sweetness in there because i have been kind of noticing it a bit as i've been going through and it's it's something i you potentially might pull up as a as a kind of off flavor or, or not what you'd expect from a kind of pure west coast style so i have enjoyed it so that, that the fact that it's intentional is quite lovely um again yeah six and a half percent i could drink this i say i could drink this all day i couldn't drink this all day my body wouldn't let me, but um, I'd try, and I'd try pretty hard. But I do love a Westie Dom. How are you finding it? 
Yeah, I think I think personally, I would maybe pitch this more as a mountain IPA because mm. it's. I, th- I think modern West Coast, a modern West Coast to me almost is a mountain IPA because you still have some of the bitterness, but maybe not that classic OG kind of pliny bitterness. It's not talking about how many IBUs it has. It's not talking about the bitterness, the pininess, but it's just got like so much flavor that just brings it, brings it back in. And then the fruitedness is I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. It has like, that east coast influence that i guess you get from your pales and your hazies with that touch of dryness i think that's kind of where it's pitching to me you're um, kind of going there don between the uh what you might say as a style purist and somebody who wants to box something they're drinking versus somebody who wants to sell a beer and uh, yeah who, exactly. who knows what a mountain ipa is well you have to buy it to find out that's all i'm gonna say but I no, I've I've really enjoyed drinking through this six and a half percent. It definitely doesn't drink at it. De- it drinks more at kind of a a five percent for me. Um, it goes down very easily, very easy to drink. Um, but you've still got that kind of that touch of dryness that kind of reminds you that yes, there is alcohol in this. Um, so you can't drink it all day. But yeah, no, enjoying it. Excited to sit on cask. Yeah, thanks so much. Lovely. Yeah, thanks guys. Yeah, means a lot. Cheers. Oh, we'll run to the fridge and uh, be right back after this. They drink beer, so much beer. All of the different types of beer. They drink beer, lots of beer. It's beer. Uh, welcome back to the Three Boxmen podcast. Still here with Nick from uh, Two Flints. And we're on to the third, third beer. Uh, we're on to Hold On which uh, has previously been previewed earlier. A hazy IPA, 6.5%. Nick, this is uh, it's a pretty exciting one, this one. I'm looking at the back of the can. I see cashmere. I see laurel. I see citra. Can you just talk us through it? Uh, I think you have. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I think <laughs> we've got we've got a hazy IPA. Um, yeah, really nice and full-bodied. We, a lot of wheats. Uh, a lot of wheats? A lot of wheats. A lot of oats. Um and uh yeah really nice kind of straw you know kind of light blonde mm. color to it i was gonna say um, yeah, full full blonde color yeah uh, yeah i mean really can't see my fingers yeah. the other side of the glass having a great time holding it up to the light feeling like a philosopher drinking it like a god what he said and yeah we've got uh main main i think the main kind of notes uh certainly like when we first tried it and i think it's yeah it still tastes amazing it's kind of fresh uh peaches and, and pears you get this really nice kind of subtle pear note i think i think laurel and cashmere are quite unusual unusual hot combination a little bit more subtle for me you kind of get this kind of just a hint of kind of haribo you know peaches uh but not overly sweet yeah it's yeah it's kind of it's just yeah again i think six and a half and just um yeah just super fruity but just really subtle for, for 6.5 it's yeah it's great it's interesting you mentioned the the laurel and cashmere there two hops you don't necessarily come across too quickly or too often sorry um now i've said quickly you can you can think quickly uh what what are your hops at the moment what's what's sort of tickling the taste buds and and keeping you busy and and you see it and go oh yeah i need to try that i mean we yeah i mean certainly the brewery we um i'm a big fan of kind of all the new new zealand hops that we use i mean we we get uh hops directly over from clayton hop farm in new zealand um brett's got a good connection there so yeah we 
yeah, we're, we're really lucky. We, we kind of handpick the hops we want to use. And like, like Raquel, I think personally for me, is just awesome. Um, we just use it in, in a new beer that we launched, uh, Skin Deep, um, just like 5% pale. And yeah, you just get this awesome kind of, you know, earthiness. But, you know, I, I don't mind a bit of bitterness in a beer. It's, um, yeah, it's nice. Just backed up with a bit of fruit. And yeah, I think, yeah, Raquel. But to be honest, yeah, I mean, Nelson, obviously, we use it a lot. Again, yeah, big fan of that. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's it's me and I've I kind of my taste buds have matured a little bit, or it's breweries have got a lot better and more educated of using hops well, or just the way that hop cycles work and how the time takes to get new generations. But I feel like there's there's a lot of great hops and great sort of single hop beers or sort of hop showcased beers that are coming out and. I almost can't pick favourites at the moment. You go, oh, I love this. And then the next beer you have, you oh, that might be my new favourite. There's a load. There's a load out there. And it's, yeah, I think it's interesting because I think to, fo- yeah, to focus just on the hops, obviously, you know, do, I mean, to give an example, we, we, we did a beer called Swoop where we use uh, a bit of rye in the malt bill. And then I think, you know, depending, you know, the base, that base kind of liquor that you put in before the hops and how that expresses the hop is, you know, is I think it's just as important, if not more, in terms of how you actually experience that whole flavor. So I think, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I'd love to say, you know, I love X and Y hops, but actually, obviously, it's it's kind of irrelevant unless the, you know, the rest of the package is there, isn't it? So Yeah, you got to, you got to definitely got to platform them, give them the sort of amplification they need. Dom, what, what's uh, tickling your taste buds at the moment? What's what's the hops for you? Um, I mean, personally, um, I think I mentioned a few pods ago that uh, Nectaron, Nectaron's a big favourite. Um, I've been really enjoying that. And uh, Rewaka as well. That's another one that um, you're starting to see more and more of. Um, it's definitely... So I, I get frazzles from it, from Rewaka, in the nicest possible way. And I don't know how else to describe that other than buy yourself a Rewaka beer and uh, ha- have that in your mind whilst you drink it. Um, I thought you were going to say pair it with frazzles as well. I mean, that's I'm and ready that, for that. That's, that's if I see frazzles in a tap room, I, I'm not going to not buy them. I cannot condone that action. Um, but you know, we're speaking of we're speaking of all these single hops. Um, one of the beers that I've got in my fridge from Two Flints currently is a DDH Nelson Sovin. Um, and you mentioned that might be part of a showcase series. Do you want to just mention a little bit about that? Yeah, it's um yeah, so it's the first of a single hop series that we're gonna um showcase kind of individual hops. So obviously Nelson Sobin, I think it's our kind of our house kind of favourite hop, so with the natural natural one to go for first. I mean there's a slightly different um looking can, so we've just got the single kind of block colour in the centre. Um and uh, yeah, it's I think it's yeah, it tastes amazing. Six percent, um yeah, just really kind of nice pure expression of the hop. I think we've got DDH mosaic coming up soon i don't want to say in a couple of months um but yeah again just you know just another i think many breweries do it it's nothing new um but we just we, we wanted to give it a go um you know i think as a brewery you know, we're, not, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel we're just yeah doing the best we can with with the best ingredients we've got basically so trying to do it better as it goes and uh, yeah what one thing yeah. you did mention there was about the different cans and i have to ask about the cans currently um so there's no major artwork on there but it's very distinctive i will say you've got kind of these each different color represents each beer and it's um just kind of graphic designy as i suppose all cans are i don't know why i said that i, like I call it, it i call it like a wavy but... it's um and I, I i'm saying this looking at the the clara can i hold on my hand the mexican lager 
which uh, features some green, some red, some white, as you might expect from a Mexican inspired beer. And I'm getting kind of center of a rock vibes, a stick of rock uh, in the way that the, oh, the see, lines right, are straight. Okay. I mean, is that is that insulting? Is that do you I mean, understand what I'm getting from there? Kind of, yeah, a little bit. I see what you're saying. Kind of ways of of rock. Uh, yeah, just the yeah, kind of not bit. quite linear, slightly unpredictable, nicely coloured. I mean, I can pick these out of a fridge. I think you've done a, a very nice job of having a, a distinctive house style while yeah. um, also so being they, I mean, identifiable. So the brand, yeah, I mean, the, we work with this incredible branding agency, um, Doozy Studios, who is an all-female agency and they... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I think it was a fresh pair of eyes on on. The, the, we're, I think we're the first beer producer that they've worked with. So, I mean, certainly, you know, we wanted to keep it really, really clean and stripped back. Um, the, the concept being that you know, obviously, we have a, a different color um, to represent each hop kind of color palette, and then reflect that in in on the front of the can. So, obviously, you have. I think originally the idea was to have you know, kind of a representation of you know the amounts of hops we're going to use in each one but um it's more of an artistics uh, you know kind of interpretation uh, obviously we, we use a lot of, you know if we use citra or mosaic and a lot of beers then they're all going to look the same color on this yeah. so we have to kind of yeah, play around a bit but it's yeah. yeah it's an impression of yeah what we what we use in each beer so on the, on the back of the can there is a key which uh which shows so in the hold on that we're drinking at the moment we've got the yellow of the cashmere the purple of the laurel and the kind of light blue sky of the citra but yeah no i'm, I'm a fan of it actually uh, i'm a fan if if there was a way to make it consistent so that the real diehard fans after a few years could look at a can and go oh i know what that's going to taste like looking at the colors that would be very impressive but um wow. probably not feasible i've never thought of it that way yeah i mean that's yeah i guess i guess there isn't an element to that but i think yeah i mean yeah. certainly you know i've I've seen our, you know, our beers and, you know, it's an amazing, amazing to kind of see it in, in bottle shops and kind of see it against everybody else. Um, I remember, I think our first meeting with Clapton Craft, uh, we, we turned up a bit early to, to meet Ben, the, the buyer, and I had a few cans in my bag, so I just put them in the fridges. Um, and then he walked, he walked into the room as I was kind of loading the fridge with our cans before <laughs> we'd even been listed there. And we are like, oh, just, just have a... I'm like, well, they're like, like just doing a mock-up. We could also yeah, leave exactly. them just, for a price. Just a free, but, you know, you know, they could look that good. So, I quite like that as a as a nice little strategy, actually, or even just the kind of research of how does it look against other cans. You don't need to buy them. Well, just go into a yeah, just to take a step back and see what it looks like. You know, against yeah, yeah. against full fridge. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, everybody's feedback about it's been it's been yeah great. I think we've I think we've hit the yeah hit the spot with. Um, yeah. yeah, just kind of being clean enough that you know it's kind of interesting, but not mm. you know just completely bland. But it's yeah, there's there's you know there's a lot of color. So we we've talked about your distinctive can style. Um, obviously every brewery has a distinctive can style to an extent, and that brings me on to collabs. Um, you've mentioned a few breweries that you've been contracting with previously. So we had Flock, Drop Projects, Little Monster, um, then obviously the other Raise the Bar winners that you're collaborating in a way with with the uh, bruiser box um have you got any collabs on the horizon or are there any breweries that you you personally would love to nail down for a collab yeah i mean certainly there's yeah i mean yeah siren sirens on the cards definitely uh yeah we'd love to do kind of an ode to slough at some point uh the neighboring slough home of the office um yeah i think 
we're well uh, sam from boxcars coming around tomorrow to the brewery oh nice um so yeah hope maybe hopefully something there um yeah i mean i, I can't speak for the for the rest of you know, the brewery i'm sure yeah i'm sure we'll get some really nice ones on the way but i, I think yeah indie rabble i think i mentioned um should be yes. really nice for one half percent nice and easy um yeah i think that's kind of where where we're at for now i mean i'm sure yeah there's yeah there's many breweries i'm sure we would like to work with down the line but um have, uh, have has anybody come to visit to... and uh collab with you on on the kit or um no no it's uh no we've we've had yeah just just the guys at indie rabble thus far and willow bold obviously yeah of course. Yeah. so it's been quite a big sort of six months we're only halfway into the year but you know this is this is almost the lifespan of the brewery what do the next six months the next 12 months I, I could continue counting months into the into the future how does the growth potential go yeah. i mean you're almost at capacity you've mentioned that it might be moving the cold store and getting a few fermenters yeah what I think, else i mean yeah certainly i think we yeah, we really want to just kind of cement ourselves in the community that we've kind of built already. So I think, you know, the, we, we're, yeah, the kind of, yeah, the independent trade that the guys are working with in pubs and, and bottle shops, um, that's, yeah, that's our main focus. I think just to really nail down, just keep getting the beers better and better. Um, I think in terms of growth, I mean, the, I know, I know Alex is keen to maybe look at a second um, tap room maybe next year, maybe a year after. Um, and then mm. maybe it's, it's kind of similar setup there, maybe slightly different. Um, Is that another again, another place with a royal palace, or or just another Windsor castle? Yeah, yeah. yeah only castles. Yeah. Only castles. Okay, that's it. That's the minimum. Um, oh, there's, there's probably no, quite uh, a lot. There's probably quite a lot you could do. Just right? a, a royal satellite. Let's leave it that. Just a royal satellite out of London. Uh, Sandringham. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it'll be. Yeah, it'll be somewhere. I think a bit. Well, I don't know. I, We'll see. We'll have to see. But um, but I think yeah, in terms of growth, it's yeah, just a steady. I think for you know for the next year or so, maybe look to a second retail venue. So is that definitely a kind of intrinsic part of the the brewery and and the revenue model going forwards? Then is that how you see the brewing industry as a whole moving with uh, that kind of sort of first person sale, no middleman? Um, I mean, yeah, it's certainly important. I think as we've already mentioned, I think. Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have that as a backstop. Um, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'd like to think that um, things, you know, kind of might be back on the app after a year or two when we kind of stabilise a bit. But um, it's certainly the way it's looking to go. I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't think anyone knows, but yeah, sure. I think, I think it'd be great to, uh, yeah. I mean, what, what I would say is that I think there's been a real, like, certainly, well, that I've seen in the last. Two or three months, you know, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, tap takeovers are dead," and and you know, I think people are keeping really kind of lean beer selections mm-hmm. on the on the on the taps, and you know, kind of, you know, just kind of looking after their pennies. I've actually seen a bit of buying confidence, you know, from from bars that you know, what's more specialist bars, but certainly they're not afraid to you know spend a bit of money to a big event. Um, it's great to see, you know, people still still you know just going for it, and yeah, I think there's there's still plenty of business out there to be to be done. And this might be a, a bit of a too big question for you to answer, but as you've kind of been selling beer at a few different breweries now, do you think that there's a kind of negative in, impact on the craft scene from the kind of big sort of multinationals sort of picking up some of these brands, be it Beavertown or, or others, and then kind of occupying lines that would be for kind of local craft with the, the kind of now national craft that, that they occupy? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you guys have seen it just as much as I have. I think, you know, we've gone through a few waves of buyouts and then kind of, you know, backlashes against it. And, um, you know, we've seen a few brands kind of just, you know, fall by the wayside. I don't know that it's kind of funny, really. A lot's changed, but also not much has changed in the same way. I think we see a lot more similar styles of beers coming out these days, I think, as opposed to a lot more freedom on some styles. Maybe that's mm. the kind of biggest difference. A lot of people brewing the same styles and fighting for the same lines. Yeah, I think everyone who makes it, everyone makes a really good session IPA or you know a low AV IPA these days. So it's yeah, it's where I guess you know where you pick and choose your battles as a brewery. You know what what you're focusing on. You, you're trying to you're trying to dominate you know big groups or, or you know just just you know focus on local local sales. Um, I think most people. These days are pretty wise to what neck oil is, you know. I'd, mm. I'd, I'd like to think that there's, you know, people have a choice, of, you know, a decent pub these days. But I don't know. Um, but I suppose for people to really come and enjoy the best of two flints, that would be coming down to the tap room in Windsor. So, if what's the best way for people to get there? I imagine the train station, and then is it fairly easy to get to yourselves from there? You just got abseil off the platform, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, don't. Don't do that, obviously. But um, yeah, just just sort of like I, I normally just sort of walk along the platform, and then if you hang a right and you sort of cross this little bridge, down the steps, around the corner, there you go, you, boom. Or it, you it can literally uh, is right there. You can spice it up. You can go Windsor and Riverside, and then it's like a sort of seven to ten minute walk that way. So oh, two different okay. options. It's really it's dealer's choice, really, from yeah Waterloo or Paddington. So just or you can cycle it. Uh, yeah, cycle all the way from. Yeah, it's not far. About 25, 30 miles from, from Richmond. Yeah, um, I've got a lot of friends actually that cycle to Windsor from, from London. And I don't know whether they cycle back. or They probably got the train back because I didn't see the cycle back on Strava. But uh, it's quite a common, yeah, quite a common destination. So that might be, a, uh, that's probably a market there, especially for a rattler. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're looking to do a yeah, bike ride at some point. I, I definitely look forward to seeing that. Um, I think we should probably talk a little bit more about this because I've been I've been sipping on it, having a lovely time. I've been talking about the cans of the other beers and not necessarily the cashmere and the laurel that I've been trying to put together. I, I do have a hard time saying laurel and not hardy after it. I don't know why. That's I don't really know the comedy at all. Um, but I, no, I've been really enjoying this and I think cashmere is definitely one that I've had in the past and thought, I need to have more of this. And then every time I have it, I go, yeah, why haven't I had more of this? It's it's a bit of a banging hop. There's a lot going on here. Dom, how, what are you picking apart and where can you find um, confidence in saying that's definitely that? Um, yeah, I mean, with confidence of saying that's definitely that, I'm, I'm lacking it. Um, but because I think cashmere and laurel is a hop combination that I, I haven't, I haven't really seen um, happen happen too often. Um, obviously, the Citra backbone's there, and then Cashmere and Laurel. I don't know what they're doing together. Um, I feel like obviously they work together because this beer is fantastic. Um, it's just got those. It's so easy drinking. It's got like the kind of East Coast feel, but then there's still a little bit of bitterness in there. Um, it's got loads of fruity notes and. Yeah, no, this is just yeah. Again, at six and a half percent, it's it's a lot more drinkable than it should be. Um, I'm kind of waiting for the alcohol to to hit 
and I think it is in the back in the background, but mm. thankfully not on each sip, which is which is perfect, yeah. really. Um, and yeah, I can I can see why the it. kind of pale ales is is your bag, um, and yeah, because this is this is really really good. But you you mentioned earlier the kind of Haribo notes, and I I kind of have that, but not so much in the the Haribo flavour, but as in the kind of Moorishness you have after the first one. But yeah, I kind of need another bit of that. That's I've I've got yeah. that. It's that lingering, yes, so slightly sweetness. Slightly, it's kind of a muted sort of yeah. peach, as opposed to like a sour. If you know what I mean, it's kind yeah. of that kind of. It's yeah. just about there, so I need to have a bit more to confirm it's there and get a bit more of the goodness. It's, it's, not, it's not like a heavy stone fruit. It's like it's a, nicely balanced in that way. Get it, Daniel. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. Yeah. No, cheers. So I have to say, Nick, thanks for coming on. Really enjoyed this. So mentioned, yeah, easy to get to if you're in winter, especially arriving by train or bike. Um, best way to keep up with you guys is that Instagram, website, Facebook, Twitter, yeah, Bebo. Yeah, we're on, we're on all those, all those things. Uh, yeah, Bebo mainly. Uh, yeah, no, in, no it's Bebo, Instagram. MySpace, Bebo those are the two ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and no, mainly Instagram. We love Instagram. Uh, yeah, check us out on there. Give us, a, give us a good like or uh, follow. And it's just Two Flints Brewery. Yeah, Two Flints Brewery. So yeah, get yeah. in touch on that. <laughs> um, and I also noticed recently you've posted that you're starting to do mixed cases from your web store. So people slightly further afield that maybe can't get to Windsor, they should look yeah. at the web shop, and you're going to have few offerings on there yeah 100 yeah you can do like you can build your own mix case now um yeah we do a lot of home delivery um so yeah yeah check it out yeah we've got we've got a really nice selection of cans so um yeah what's the uh what's the best time of the month to kind of look at that you say you got that kind of canning cycle then what what is it the um, kind of first week where there'll be the most offering so we, yeah, I mean, if you want the, the I mean, again, I think you're best just following the socials, but I, th- I think in general, yeah, it's, it's around the middle of the month. Um, I think the next time the beers pack is kind of the 10th, 11th of July, something like that. So about three, three weeks off. Um, so yeah, we'll have, um, we'll have a new double IPA, big fill. We'll have a uh, 5.5% EDH power called uh, Donk. And yeah, and we'll have a, we'll have the Indie, Indie Rebel Curlam with some fresh Santiago. Um, so yeah, loads of new stuff coming out. I have to ask: Is the donk a reference to the um, the blackout? How, how do I put it? It's, oh, no, national it treasure, that... national treasure, iconic, legendary song. Put a donk on it by the blackout. You know, what, you know, what, you know what you want to do with that, right? You want to put a yeah. banging donk on it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I managed. Yeah, it it's kind of yeah, it's kind of a subtle reference to that. Alex had never heard of it, so he had got the labels printed before before he'd heard of it. So that's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> nah, amazing. Um, uh, and if you can't do either of those things, then definitely come and say hello to you guys at festivals over the summer. So uh, Manchester Craft Beer, London Craft Beer, any others you want to quickly shout out that you're going to be pouring out? Obviously, not just in general. Uh, festivals. Uh, no, I think that's 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 the gist of it this year. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for loads of events. Yeah, we're, we're doing, always doing a takeover at some point. You know, um, yeah, just keep keep your eyes peeled on on socials, and uh, yeah, please do come come say hi. And Nick, can I can I offer this on your behalf? If you do approach uh, yourselves at, at one of the festivals you're going to be at, and the first thing you say is a, a line or a lyric from "Put a Donk on It," you'll give them a slightly larger pour. Yeah, if you throw techno or anything like that, just yeah, just yeah. get 
fantastic uh, well yeah, nick it's, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for coming on very much enjoyed the beers very much enjoyed the conversation and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys put out in the future uh, thanks so much cheers cheers cheers